0: Our guest this week is Alex Lang, principal clarinet for the Phoenix Symphony. Alex is a black classical musician who has worked his way up to one of the most prestigious positions for any musician studying classical music. He's a very bright person. He's a deep thinker. He's a really good friend of mine. We got to work on a project of his through an organization he started called The Leading Tone. And now he started a new project called Artistry After School. He plays in various ensembles besides being in the symphony itself. And he had a spectacular couple of years from 2017 through 2019 where he was awarded some very prestigious awards and even got to play at Carnegie Hall. I'm really thrilled to have Alex on the podcast, and you will find that he is very interesting, very funny, and I was so glad he was able to take the time out of his day to sit with me and have this conversation. We got so deep, this has turned into a two-part episode. The first part, we go through his life up until today. The second part, we talk about all of the projects and what he's trying to do to help and change the world, and I hope you really enjoy this episode as much as I did speaking with my dear friend, Alex Lang. And I know we're, I don't want to keep you, uh, but there's so much more I have to ask. So you have to cut me off when you have to cut me off. Okay. All right. Okay. So you're, you're now in Phoenix, and I moved here in 2004. I don't remember when we actually met, but it, we met through a program that you started called the Leading Co., which yeah. I, wa- I want to talk about now. Sure. So that we can make sure mm-hmm. we, we give it its due. Sure um so we met because you were starting this program, and I'm only going to say the brief part of it just yeah, how it relates to me, and then you take it from there and You were doing this cool after school program uh, where we were going to teach really younger kids I don't even remember the age range, which you can explain again, mm-hmm. but it was bucket drumming, which mm-hmm. is basically for anybody out there that at this point doesn't know what that is it's anytime you're walking any of the street basically in new york it that's where it really blew up. But mm-hmm. anywhere you are that you see somebody that has a bucket turned upside down and they are banging Not on it. it, sometimes with sticks, sometimes with mm-hmm. all sorts of things. So mm-hmm. take it from there. So the leading tone is this program yeah. that you started, so.
1: Yeah, so I mean, I think, to, just to give it a little context, right? So going back to school, you know, and this sort of sense of like, my social life is inside, like the black community Northwestern um, but my academic life is inside the School of Music, right? And there aren't any Black people in the School of Music at Northwestern, and that sense of like separation um, is sort of a theme in my whole sort of journey. When I was at New- when I was in New York for grad school, first time I started to learn about what at the time was called like community engaged music making, and I started to learn about like programs and ways of thinking about what I did and how that could be, because also at the same time, right, I'm like civic, playing all these places, I'm not, there aren't any black people in the audience either, right, so I, I, so this, so, you know, how does, how can I musically be like engaged with, useful to, in communion with black people, Um, then I hear about community engaged music making, and I I did this year long sort of course that had us Put together some a little ensemble and then like go into schools and play for kids mostly you know, so Manhattan school is up on the upper west side of Manhattan, just just below Harlem, right so um, the schools that we were going into were you know it's New York for one thing, but also where we were they're mostly Harlem so it's mostly like black and brown kids, and we had like something to say to them it wasn't to be clear, it wasn't like great, it wasn't culturally responsive there's lots of ways of looking at that where it was like you know, there was all kinds of rooms for improvement. But for me, it was the first time where like music and culture were sort of coming together in ways that sort of brought together my, my person and my personality and my interests. So fast forward to, I've gotten the gig in Phoenix. I knew that, that I wanted to have like a community engaged music practice and um so, uh, actually, the first thing I did was reach out to Rosie's House, uh, so a program here. If you a shout out to Rosie's House, go check it out, support them. They're amazing. Um, and I wanted to teach, but they're like, well, what if, what, about, what if you sat on the board? Let's put you on the board. I didn't know what that even meant. I was like, okay. So I learned a lot about, like, seeing an organization from that perspective, seeing the work from that perspective. Um, then uh, some of the El Sistema stuff started to happen. you know. So El Sistema is this program out of Venezuela that really has captured the imagination and the storytelling about so-called classical music here in the States. And um, El Sistema programs are starting to pop up. And uh, I really wanted to participate in this in an applied way. And so um, long story short, uh, I ended up sort of, Feeling like the the best way I could get involved, especially after trying to do it some other ways, was, was to start my own thing. Um, so when I first started, this is before I knew you, Joe. When I first started it, I was thinking very much of like kind of replicating my own biography, right? I was it was going to be a an instrumental music program. It, I was patterning it after a uh, an organization, a golf organization called the First Tee. Yeah. Right. You remember all that yeah. talk and yeah. And what would it look like? And building sort of like what? Like in my mind, it was sort of like Rubank method meets like the Boy Scouts meets 4-H meets <laughs> cultural responsiveness. Like I didn't, you know. So that's where the idea was before I met before I met you. And I was thinking of myself as like I'm gonna thinking it would make it better. Like I'm gonna teach in this thing. I'm gonna t- be one of the teachers. I'm gonna teach clarinet. Really wasn't able to get out of first gear. Couldn't people were like, it sounds really complicated. It sounds really, mm, it sounds good. Um, I think it's a good idea, but like, there's a lot here. You want to build, but it was like big and unwieldy, and it took a lot of words to explain. A shift came when I sort of made two shifts. The main shift was one changing the ensemble, right? So a bucket band. Immediately, the, the little bit of sort of music psychological like un, in music pedagogy, that I was starting to build around myself and understanding, I realized, oh wow, you know, if you're talking about like pro-social stuff, if you're talking about kids being in communion with each other and building a sense of um, group and, and unity and learning through that, right? Th- you know, uh, an instrument that lets, like, you can play in ensemble on a bucket in day one. In a way that you cannot on a clarinet, right? Because I'm going to spend all of day one on the clarinet, just maybe teaching you, maybe not even how to make a sound, just like how to approach the thing. How how does the thing work, right? And
0: or you might be teaching them how to not to put the reed upside down. Exactly. Same. Exactly. I remember. I, I,
1: I, yeah, but I see what you did there, you brought it back. So like, That's it, thanks folks. <laughs> Thank you, that's, that's a, have a nice that's day. <laughs> right, exactly, we brought it home. <laughs> this is my comedy routine. I realized, oh wow. And the main shift I realized was like shifting myself, shifting from seeing myself as the teacher and into more of a facilitator, right? And then the the idea of a bucket band, And realizing all the advantages came from that. Like, oh, wow, we can talk about working together as a team, making a communal sound, ensemble, you know, self in relation to others, all of the social emotional stuff that can come from that. You can get to right from the beginning. The other thing that I realized was, so that was the the musical part. I also realized that like, seeing my building the thing around what I could teach was actually really limiting. So I had thought of it as like, Oh, it's like, you know, you go to war with the army you have, of course, if I'm talking about teaching music, I'm going to build it around like myself being a teacher. Cause I don't have to pay myself and you know, I'll sweat equity. I'll build this thing. So it was, it, it was, it was, it, it makes sense, except for you don't, I didn't realize like how limiting that was because that meant that it had to be the things that I knew how to teach and what I thought, and so the switch to the bucket band, um, that's a, like the musicological part, that's like the sort of structure part. Then the storytelling piece, like people got it. Like, in, like people know what a bucket band is, they thought it, it sounded cool, it looked cool, it made sense to them, kids thought it was cool. Some of the stuff that challenged me around like doing this quote unquote community engaged music making in, from what I was interested in, in black communities, right, showing up with like, European classical music, right? We're here with violins to save you from your blackness with white music. Like it gets complicated, right? Which is not to say you can't do anything. You can, and I know a lot of people who are, right? Black violin, there's lots of, there's lots of people doing amazing, amazing stuff. Um, so it's not, it's not, a, it's not, a, it's not a, a hurdle you can't account for, but you do have to account for it, or, or, or I think you do. We're, bucket drumming relieved me of that, right? This isn't even classical music. We don't, I don't even have to like say, like, you know, you hear me. I say so-called classical. Like, I don't even have, I don't even have to say any of that. It's yep. bucket drumming. We can just deal with like, I don't have to deal with notation. I don't have to deal with all kinds of stuff. And we can just get to it. So that's when I realized I had something. And then things went really quickly from there. As Soon as I made that shift, the leading tone, like, was that much closer to being a thing. And so then enter stage left. Joe Costello. Because uh, now that I've moved to the bracket jumping, I, was, I still believe, obviously, sure, I could, and you know, at this point, I'm doing some stuff. I'm taking some Orff Schulwerk training. I'm really trying to learn, like, how would I do this, right? Because, you know, um, and what, it, what is general music? And, you know, what, what, what is it to teach kids, you know, sort of music um, in an after school setting? And what skills do you need? And whatever. And uh, so, yeah, the first thing that first summer, what we, I just, I, I got an opportunity through a local 586 and some connections there to run a little pilot program um, in conjunction with a, a youth development program that needed some extra programming. And so was sort of a win-win. They got the access to the union hall and the air conditioning that comes with that, yeah. which is a big deal in Phoenix in the summer. Yeah. And a big space, right, a space that could hold like, you know, 15, 18, 19 kids. And um, they were like, "Yeah, great. T- you know, Tuesdays and Thursdays. You know, you can sort of try out this thing that you want to do." So I did a little Kickstarter
0: and what raised money that? to
1: pay a teacher. That was 2014, I think, maybe okay. 2013, 14. Okay. And um, yeah, I called up some friends, and they were like, "This guy Joe Costello. He, I think, he'd <laughs> you, you should give Joe So I gave you a call, sort of explained it to you. And you got it and was into it. I did a little Kickstarter online to sort of, you know, friends and family just to raise enough money to be able to tribute you. And, you know, there really wasn't that many costs. I got the buckets donated. I got the sticks yeah. donated. Um, I think we had a pizza party and uh, some t-shirts yeah. made with some of that money. But mostly just wanted to pay for teaching. And that gave me something in the real world, right? Yeah. So now this was a thing and I could show it to some people and then, that led to a a charter school that didn't have any after school programming and was looking for something um, and sort of was into what I was talking about. Um, And that was Vista College Prep. And so uh, we started, you know, that 14, 15 year doing after school. Uh, um, The other thing I learned in doing that was again, a lot of it is that lesson from Ricardo, man, you gotta get over yourself. I mean, a lot of it is that, right? Like what happened? what, What if you didn't center yourself? Yeah. Like, what if you didn't you sell yourself even more, even more, even more, right? So, I had this idea we were going to build this really robust curriculum and, you know, core values and da 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 da. And uh, we did that for like, I don't know, that pilot, we did it for maybe, we tried for like the first four classes or something. And then I realized there were this, that youth development program already had a curriculum. So rather than trying to invent a new curriculum what if can we use music to explore and unpack the curriculum they already had that thing started to go better at that point so when we got to the to vista college prep in the fall we were sort of in that mindset so now it was about okay we know we you guys have core values so their core values were respect enthusiasm achievement courage hard work the reach is what it spells yeah. and so that's what we made ourselves right we were the reach bucket bands you know we meant two days a week after school, and um, everything was sort of trying, the, the youth development piece was sort of filtering through those core values, and, um, you know, looking back, obviously, you know, I, I, you know, everybody knows a lot more now, myself included, um, but that's 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 where the Leading Tone started, um, and Gwenton and grew, and um, I have to, this will be news to you, but I've, I've kind of actually sort of, it's not, dormant but we did wind it down last year and sort of transitioned to another sort of piece of the puzzle which was supporting teaching artists which is something I really so that's another thing that I learned right And in the beginning I had these ideas of what we would teach and what the curriculum would be and um, as circumstances changed around us it got to a point where like I could unpack why later but the point is is that things things were dynamic and changed and what I realized was, oh, when you, when you give teaching artists um, a relatively blank canvas and some, some support and say like, what do you wanna do? You get better stuff, right? Mm-hmm. You, and so that just for the leading tone was a big learning. And so the last two years was very much about like, what do you wanna teach and how can we build around that as opposed to I'm hiring you to teach this thing and do it you know do it this way right, right. um and then uh I started to work with a guy out at uh, asu who you know i think evan tobias he's uh, one of richard maxwell's teachers i mm-hmm. think or their friend i think in any case um probably friends i don't i think richard's been done with school for too long for, to have mm-hmm. studied with evan in any case so working with evan and similar interests and so The last two years we, I don't know what this year's gonna be like, everything's up in the air with everything, but the last two years, um, we ran something called Artistry After School, which was basically a lot of those lessons that I took from The Leading Tone about supporting teaching artists and really made that the only focus. So it was about um, bringing in uh, teaching artists, paying them for their learning, right? So I think if you look at teaching artistry, there's very little paid there's very little opportunity to reflect and to grow Um, and there's almost there's even fewer opportunities where you're paid to do that uh, where that's part of your growth uh, which part of your sort of program so we we created an opportunity to do that Um, can you give me an example
0: of what that would be like
1: yeah so it would be well i mean the example that happened Last year, well, one, the first year we did it sort of, we ran the two sort of side by side. So the leading tone was still offering programming. And what would happen is, is I hired, we brought in about, uh, I don't know, five or eight uh, teaching artists who are going to be teaching in the after school program. And artistry after school served as that place where they would get, they would be paid for their time and they would get to develop the programming that they would then deliver through the leading tone so uh you billy i think you know, you remember billy right i think uh, so yeah yeah so billy like what do you want billy wanted to do something around like storytelling and narrative and play and and fables and so you, where artistry after school is where the uh, this where the idea would be sort of born and formed and shaped and as a cohort the teaching artists they would you know, coach each other up, and what about this, and what about that, and then the leading tone is where they would deliver the thing, right, and then come back to artistry after school, like with some reflection, like, oh, I did this, it didn't, you know. And, um, this that was the first year. The second year, which was last year, of course, got completely upended by mm-hmm. the pandemic. But in a, you know, and again, sort of a, just a decent turn of events. I mean, we were we were up and going we had our artists selected the idea at the time was that they were going to have this applied space so they were going to work in our in the artistry after school program for two or three months develop their ideas develop some theories about what would happen go out and apply them you know get some videotape of them doing their teaching again just like you know come back let's look at the tape what happened here did all that kind of stuff um then the pandemic hit um And so we were in a position, we had to move everything online. And we had all these teaching artists, you know, seven teaching artists who um, were also sort of like the rest of the world, like, well, how do I move all of this online? And so, one, uh, Evan, my partner in all of this, he's like a big tech person. He's, you know, pretty savvy with that and has been Mm -hmm. working with that for a while. So he was a huge help in that regard. Um, and also it's a big thing is digital music, right? So the idea of like, you know, not needing sort of physical instruments in, in the same sense, um, you know, you can make music, anyway, I don't need to explain that to you across the digital space, <laughs> but in, uh, in any case, so yeah, so then, so that's, so that's where things are now, that's, that's, so the leading tone is for now, I think, um, We'll see. I mean, it's possible there's something could come along and we'd bring it back. But I'm I'm more interested right now in this creating learning environments for teaching artists and supporting uh, supporting that part of the e- of the ecosystem. Right. Okay. Um, and learning how to create, you know, sort of learning environments for people
0: and yeah, yeah. Cool. 2017, 18, 19 were big years for you because yeah, yeah. Twenty seventeen musical. America's Professional of the Year,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? And mm-hmm. then you got the Sphinx Medal of Excellence mm-hmm. in 2018. Mm-hmm. And I believe it was 2018 the year you got to perform at Carnegie Hall?
1: I think that, that was it. My, yeah, it was, it was, it was 18... Fall of eighteen, yeah, and then again in like that same later that season, maybe yeah. nineteen, spring of nineteen. I think if that's right, I think that's right. Yeah, yeah, crazy man, crazy. It was, you know, the 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 thing, the medal of excellence was really the the the, the lever. Um, mm-hmm. The that selection was it was announced in. Um, you get the prize in like all the the whole sort of hoopla event happens in like spring of eighteen but the announcement is made in like August of 17. So they just announced the 20 Medal of Excellence, the 21 Medal of Excellence Awards, like, I don't know, four or five weeks ago, right? Okay. So, and I think it was the Medal of Excellence attention that then brought Musical America's attention to me and then um, put that, you know, gave me, gave me that recognition. Yeah, in 2015 is when um, I started to get some attention sort of on the national stage Um, and you know I'm in many ways really grateful for I got to sort of labor in relative anonymity in Phoenix not anonymous to all my Phoenix friends and and colleagues but you know know, the eyes of the world aren't necessarily on us in the same way and we don't have a big broadcast presence here and so I got to work some stuff out you know got to say some really stupid stuff that like no one heard. you know, lay some, lay some giant eggs and, you know, big clams that no one (laughs) heard. And then, you know, 2015, I got sort of started to get invited into some national spaces and conferences. And um, some of it was around playing. Some of it was around talking about playing. Some Mm of it was around talking about uh, what's often referred to as uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion as it relates to symphony orchestras, uh, programs designed to do that. Uh, What are the paradigms in place? You know, so I, Again, you know, I was, um, I, I, I had my own sort of life experience to reflect on and I was able to talk about it in ways um, that resonated with people and um, so that's when that all started and started to get invited out. It's around then that I started to, not it was maybe it's after the Medal of Excellence that I able to sort of put the whole thing uh, together and articulate sort of like what I'm doing and talk about my practice in 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 a a way that's like crisp and concise and sort of speaks to everything and it really comes down to this um you know i don't believe that music is just sound i i believe that music is sound and words and people and i i want to have a practice that's engaging with all of those and i had that before the words piece is actually what what really started to come on around 2015, I started writing, I started talking, I started sort of putting my ideas out there. People would ask me what I would think and I started to have something to say. Um, but that's really sort of, that's, that's, that's where it is for me now, right? And I think that, of course, music isn't just sound. Um, but I think, you know, the training that I went through doesn't say that explicitly uh, and, and, and isn't clear at all that, you know, you can be active in all of that, right? So you learn music history and you learn all kinds of things that makes it clear to you that music isn't just sound. Um, What is not made clear to you is that you can can choose the words and you can choose the people. You can contextualize and frame and put sort of layers and frameworks of meaning around this thing um, based on what you want it to mean, say and do. Uh, and that was, you know, that wasn't something that um, I understood, you know, because I, no, one had, no one had sort of, that's not how I've been taught. And so anyway, so that, that's where things are now, you know, music is sound words and people. And so I have my sound practice, which is mostly the Phoenix Symphony, um, mm-hmm. obviously less so right now, but not just the Phoenix Symphony. I've fortunately been invited to do some really cool collaborative stuff just as a sound maker on the clarinet. And then on the words piece, um, you know, I, I talk like this and I've done some writing and, um, you know, I try to be uh, clear about like my ideas. The people stuff, right, is is through all of that. But of course, it, you know, the, the work we did together with The Leading Tone, right, is about people yep. and yep. how can music be useful to people. And... Um, You know anyway so that's sound words and people people words and sound how you order it right like music that says it's sound i say sound words and people i don't know maybe you know i don't know maybe i mean if you change the order it changes things too right music is people sounds and words people words and sound like it's you know how do you triage that yeah well never ending uh,
0: no i know and you as you uh as we said earlier, as being wise old men, you're you're becoming a deeper and deeper thinker every time <laughs> you and I get together. But I don't yeah. want to, before we end, and I don't- older. Yeah, I well, yeah. At older. least we can at both least. look that's, at each other and go, hey, you're yeah. losing your hair. It's like, no, we're not, yeah. it's already gone. Yeah. It's, it's gone. I, lo- it's... I lost it this morning, in the
1: shower, every <laughs> morning, I lose it again. <laughs> that's
0: right. So I don't want to brush over this, because to me, it's, and I don't know how important it is to you, but that's why I want to ask the question. Carnegie Hall like was that Mm. the first time you got to perform there
1: yeah it was it was Carnegie was 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 um great uh what was uh it's great you know it's an it's a name that makes a noise when you drop it right so that's helpful uh uh it makes a noise to just about everybody certainly Mm -hmm. Uh, that's a rare thing in this business Lisa have something that really resonates outside you know just lay people get it and feel like oh wow so that's certainly helpful. It was a thrill. It was great to feel like I was ready. You
0: know what I'm saying? It was great. I remember really, you saying that. Like you yeah. walked out there and you were like, this is. Yeah. It's I like, wasn't like, oh, I got
1: this in the bag. This is nothing. I was like, oh, right. but I was ready. Right. And so I really sort of completed that eliminate hope journey. I know I, I got to come up with something less grim. That sounds <laughs> terrible to eliminate hope. But I wasn't walking out there hoping. I, I knew how to, to, to. I was ready for it. It was a definitely a, a big moment. So you know, it's a, it's, 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 um, you know, it's like playing Madison Square Garden or anything, and, yep. you know, making the foul shot with no time left and stakes are high and feeling like I, you know, I know how to do this. Um, so that was great. That was a big thing for sure. And then weren't um, you on
0: the? Was did I make sure I'm not getting this wrong? But I believe weren't you on the cover of the? Musicians' union. I did, I yeah, yeah, what's it called? Yeah. International musician. Yeah, Is that... International musician. Yeah. Right, because I think yeah. I even wrote to you. I texted yeah, you yeah, when yeah, I got you're my like, copy. Yeah, I what like, what are you doing in my
1: mailbox? <laughs> Get out of here! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you just brought my house value right. down. <laughs> yeah, and it was right. It was later that year. The same year. It was a nice run for sure. Yeah. Right. Was, yeah. Uh, I got to play the. I got to go out to L.A. and play. Uh, in the orchestra that recorded the soundtrack for The Lion King with Hans Zimmer, mm-hmm. um, which was amazing. I got to do that through a group called the Recollective Orchestra, which is started by my friends Stephanie Matthews and Matt Jones. And they're the ones that sort of secured a place for the Recollective Orchestra in that recording project. Okay. And then they went about sort of filling out that orchestra. And I was lucky that I was, you know, someone they wanted to have come and, and and join. And that was amazing, right? I mean, and, you know, you know, it's very much like getting to sort of come in at the Cadillac level of like Los Angeles studio work. I mean, yeah. you know, I totally recognize that and I'm grateful for it, um, you know, Great musicians, great project. It was really interesting for me, yeah, it was just really interesting, and something really cool, and again, something my kid thought was interesting,
0: yeah that sure. was cool yeah yeah, you
1: know, and' that's not she she does not think her dad is cool really about anything, but you know you know Beyonce had something to do with the Lion King, so I got right. some of that you, like yeah. association association. <laughs> So yeah, no, it's been it's been an amazing, a nice run here, a nice opportunity. Um, I don't take it for granted. I remember I have a buddy who uh uh did um he wrote he does mortgage brokering and he was talking about two thousand seven, six, five, you know, and anyway, the long story short, like you know, the phone's ringing a little bit more now, and I don't assume it's going to keep ringing, and I keep sort of pushing myself to try to say yes to as much as I can, really, Um, because, you know, uh, you're hot for a little bit, but you don't know how long it's going to last, and I want to maximize, you know, these opportunities and best I can, and do the stuff I want to do, right? Yeah. And do the stuff I want to do.
0: So cool. So in wrapping this up, what is happening with the Phoenix Symphony right now?
1: Yeah, well, you know, honestly, I don't know. Um, I think obviously it's going to be. Um,
0: but you guys aren't rehearsing or anything.
1: We're not. I, okay. haven't seen my, I haven't seen my colleagues since March 6th. Wow. Uh, except, except over Zoom. Wow. Uh, we have done some asynchronous stuff, which uh-huh. is great. We still have some stuff in the can actually that we recorded last spring that I'm hopeful, hoping is gonna get released. Um, you know, just stuff to put uh-huh. on you know, the interwebs and Facebook and stuff, but yep. some cool projects. Um, this is an exciting time, I think, uh, scary time, right? On all kinds of levels, scary for nonprofit arts. I don't think that, you know, very many orchestras Are going to be the same on the other side of this Um, in some regards I hope none of them are Mm -hmm. which is to say I mean I do think some many of us are going to be dealing with you know the impacts of the financial situation changing so um, that might be you know some orchestras are shutting down uh, operations for this year uh, because you just can't see if you can't gather a group of more than 50 people how do you get your ensemble together and much less, you know, make the margins work, right? right? Yep. Um, other orchestras that have, um, you know, some deeper pockets are continuing and doing some streaming stuff. Um, and uh, so it, Phoenix has yet to sort of settle all of that. Um, But all of that aside, I think, you know, our understanding as a society about like, why do we get together in large groups? What's the point of that? What's that for? I think our understandings about that are changing, not for the worse. I think actually, in some regards, we're holding those things in greater value
0: absolutely i think yeah
1: yeah. so i think that'll probably impact actually like what a symphony concert is on the other side of this i hope it is actually Mm -hmm. because i think maybe what if we could maybe that's what we should call our podcast get over yourself (laughs) (laughs) both of us would need like tons of therapy to actually ever host that thing (laughs) but all that to say if orchestras this orchestras might get over themselves to Mm. in terms of like you know what is a concert on the other side of this and like do we need to have longer intermissions do we need to have more sort of ability to get up and do, like what does that look like I'm not sure yep. right do we need to have I don't know I don't know like what do, what what do, what what do people want what do people need um yeah, so there's some deep stuff. I think some, some, so all that's going to change for sure. And then of course there's the financial piece, right? Yep. It's going to be a tough year for everybody and that's going to lead to changes on the other side of this. Um, yeah, so, so the Phoenix Symphony is still determining what its season is going to look like. Um, and we'll see. Meanwhile, unfortunately, am uh, developing um, continue to develop relationships and opportunities and some you know yep. the phones rung to do some stuff so um
0: yeah and besides the symphony i know that you've played in a group that i believe it was was it your own or you had one with mark and you had did you have one on your own also or oh yeah 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 well so uh you're talking about mark dicks yeah uh, and i'm a just trying to Definitely not one dimensional, but besides being principal sure. in the symphony, you're doing other stuff. Yeah.
1: So, right now, yeah, and some of that's some of yeah. So, um, project that I have going right now. Um, I'm, uh, I uh, finished th- this summer. So, I do some teaching. So, this summer, I was teaching for the National Youth Orchestra. It's a program run by the Weill Institute, uh, which is Carnegie Hall's sort of music education arm. So that was interesting. Uh, All distance, teach for the League of American Orchestras. They have a course called The Essentials of Orchestra Management. So I'm one of the faculty members for that. Um, I'm actually teaching a course this fall, a professional development course for uh, musicians through Juilliard uh, in their night division. so I do some teaching stuff, uh, sort of in the words of my words practice. Um, on the people practice side, so I've got you know artistry after school, which we'll see what artistry after school does this year, but I think that work will be ongoing in some respect. I also have started to do a little bit of consulting with my brother who has a consultancy called Hilumbo, H-I-L-L-O-M-B-O, uh, which, um, is interesting and exciting. And so he, he does, um, some of his clients are nonprofit arts organizations. And so the ones that have been close to sort of what I do, Symphony Orchestras, I've been able to come in on some of those projects and offer some insight. Um, and I continue to do some music stuff. So this is actually, uh, I actually just this morning agreed to uh, do my first sort of travel gig since all of this started. So in late September, I'm gonna fly to Philadelphia and um, do a project with Opera Philadelphia, which is a, um, the project is um, a a production of a piece that I actually was really fortunate to be in the world premiere of called Cycles of My Being, um, which is a piece written by Tyshaan Sori and a libretto by um, Terence Hayes and uh, Lawrence Brownlee, who's an amazing tenor soloist, opera, tenor solos, And the piece is written for him and he helped write some of the words. So we're we're in there, we're in pieces for uh, voice soloist, piano, violin, cello, clarinet. And so um, we're gonna do that again. Uh, So I'll go out and do that. No audience, Uh, it's gonna be both for a recording project and for streaming as well. So sort of my first, you uh, know, toe in the water on this stuff. A little nervous about the traveling, Joe. I got to be honest with you, man. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think, it, I think uh, I'm think i going to take all the precautions and yeah, and do my best.
0: I think the flights are still pretty light, so you can be pretty far away from other people.
1: I hope so. I was yeah. looking at that today. I, I was looking at that today, it's right before we got on the phone. So, yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, oh, that's good. So, that's exciting, and then, man. Actually, you'll appreciate this. I'm sort of making, so I'm, I'm going to do a rollout of a new website and a little newsletter uh, probably September 1st and try to, you know, transition my personal email. I only had the one email box and it's been like difficult right. <laughs> to keep everything, especially as you know, I don't love email to begin with. So i trying to, trying to ride her over all of that. You might even see me on the socials at some point. but All right. But, oh, yeah. We yeah. talked
0: about that. That's right. Yeah, at
1: some point. At some All right, point. Not cool. yet, yeah, but at some point.
0: Well, cool. So where, is there anything else that I missed that you No, nah, man. You, you sure? Yeah, no. I think, okay. uh,
1: I think we're good.
0: I think we're good. More than good. Okay, cool. So where is the best place for people to get in contact with
1: you? Well, the best place would be Alex Lang Music dot com um, and the email would be alex at alexlangmusic.com I will say that uh, when and lang I know, is spelled l-a-i-n-g yeah, yeah yeah, and um, the website is not uh, live yet um, the email address is up and going and the website uh, it's finished but I'm just, we're just tightening stuff up and then we're going to roll it out probably September 1st um, it's not going to be a huge interactive thing, but it will be a place where you can see what's going on with me and get a picture of what I do and what I'm about, and you know, see what's coming up next for me. And and, and how about you? After that, we're going to do some socials. We'll see. Perfect. We'll see. Perfect. Yeah.
0: You're like I know. <laughs> Twenty years late, old man. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen. You're going to live longer than a lot of people for not being on socials. So fair I have to
1: say, I have been relieved. I have to say. Yeah the last little while no one has been like oh man i love it
0: on facebook (laughs) yeah yeah no you're you're doing just fine where you are don't you worry how about uh the artistry program
1: yeah that is uh that's still just a quiet thing that doesn't have a website it's not like quiet like secret but it's really just a project that um So we were fortunate last year. We got some support from ASU. Mm -hmm. Uh, The first year, uh, it's actually the Sphinx medal that you mentioned came with some prize money. And so I used it to transition because this is what I was interested in. It's like, that's what the whole, you know, it's like someone gives you a gift, do something with it. So um, we'll see what comes next with it. Um, But yeah, there's no, there's nowhere to go check that out. But, But if there were, if there is a place, you'll be able to come at it through the website. That's the point of it, to try to create a landing spot for all that stuff.
0: And The Leading Tone will be there also? Yeah, yeah, and you can go check
1: out The Leading Tone's website, www.theleadingtone.org. It's it's up and going. If you want to just, like, see what's going on there, there might be a picture of Joe Costello on there. If there's oh, not, I'm gonna not, go, I'm going to
0: go put one up there. <laughs> Back when he had hair. Exactly. <laughs> You're right. I might have still then. I can't remember. I think I, think I did. Wow. All right, man. Well, I really appreciate you doing this. Uh, This is so long overdue, even though you and I have got together for coffee or lunch and had some cool conversations. This was really interesting for me to actually learn all about, you know, how this all started for you. And, uh, and I really appreciate you. You're you're a good friend. We don't see each other enough. We promised we were going to try to do it every month, but yeah. obviously, the where the world is right now, that, that yeah. became hard. That put a little wrinkle in our plans. But yeah, yeah. Well,
1: I really appreciate this, and I appreciate you. You know, I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean I, that that's that's real talk right there. And uh, it's true that we don't get to see each other uh, enough. But I I, I like uh, I like that when one of us reaches out and says, "Hey, man, uh, can you help with this or whatever?" That the other one's like, "Yeah, sure, I got you." Yeah. So I, yep. I, I really value that. And that made it very easy for me to find time today to sit down and chat. Well,
0: I really appreciate it, man.
1: Yeah, man. Go Joe right. Costello.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you take care of yourself. All right. All right, man. And, and you'll awesome. be, be safe on that flight.
1: Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks
0: again. Take care. I can't thank you enough for tuning into my podcast. It's definitely an honor for me to be in your ears and i appreciate you taking the time to listen to the podcast and possibly rating it sharing it and if you have the time to write a review i hope the content that i'm delivering is something very special to you and once again thank you so much for listening